Well, new census data released today shows that 8.3 million people or 23% of our population were or are immigrants or permanent residents, the largest share in our history. To put that into perspective, the previous high had been 22.3% all the way back in 1921, after just after the First World War. Now, the numbers paint a picture of an increasingly diverse country where immigrants and permanent residents account for more than 70% of population growth uh, between 2016 and 2021, and now make up a larger share of our population than any other G7 country. And while it continues to mean challenges when it comes to housing and healthcare and so on for new arrivals trying to settle in, it also drives economic growth. And unlike many countries that I've been to, uh, especially in Europe, there seems to be a political and social consensus here that this is all a very good thing. A very good thing, rather. John Shields is a professor in politics and public administration at Toronto Metropolitan University who's done a lot of work on immigration trends, and he joins me now. Thanks so much for your time. Well, thank you for the invitation. I know, given government policy, that this probably isn't a surprise, but Canada is increasingly becoming a very diverse place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh you know, this is a, a longer term trend, but of course, this has been uh, speeded up a little bit uh, further, especially since the pandemic, because immigration is seen as one of these uh, solutions to increase and uh, strengthen the economy. And so our uh, immigration numbers have been uh, boosted uh, even further over the last number of years. We're now at the forefront of the G7, which is uh, which is an interesting place to be because there's so much competition now for skilled economic migrants, and it feels like Canada at least is doing a good job of attracting people. You were mentioning earlier uh, when we first started speaking that uh, that a lot of the people who are coming here are actually coming here for school and then staying. Yeah, I mean, you know, Canada, I think, is number four now and threatened to become number three in terms of the number of uh, foreign students in the in the country and uh, of course they also have the right to work and just recently their hours have been boosted to uh, be even full-time uh, beyond the uh, 20-hour limit before and this is i think an indication of the you know dire need and the the labor force for a whole variety of, of skills and so students you know one of the really attractive parts of becoming a foreign student in Canada is that number one, it's a tolerant society. It's a, you know, embraces multiculturalism, uh, but also uh, the ability to work and the ability to also apply for permanent residency. Any other, any other trends in these, in this new data that, uh, that stood out to you? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, these are things that I think have been occurring over the last little while and uh, they've continued. And one of that is the, the movement away from uh, settling in Toronto, Montreal, and Vancouver, the so-called MTV. But I mean, those trends are are modest, right? There's a, a few percentage point uh, shifts there. It's still an urban affair. I mean, there's still 90% of immigrants are moving to centers that are 100,000 or more, uh, but they're diversifying out from those three sort of gateway cities. And, you know, part of that, I think, is just the uh, the cost of housing that is pricing a lot of people out of these markets. Yeah. Are we, are we, I mean, it's one thing to invite people to come here. It's another thing to help them settle, to get them settled. Yeah. Um, are we doing enough on the other end of this to make sure that people coming to this country, uh, that their dreams and aspirations are being, um, are, are being met, so to speak, or at least we're paving the way for them to meet them? 
Uh, well, I think we could definitely do more. There is more supports that are needed. The, those settlement agencies came under a lot of stress uh, during the uh, the pandemic, and they've been having a lot of uh, trouble in terms of retaining their experienced staff. The um, uh, the amount they're able to pay those people and the the benefits and so forth. Uh, are just not competitive with other parts of the economy. So that is a long-term problem. Putting more dollars into it is, uh, I think, an important way uh, to boost that. Uh, I think the um, uh, the other aspect here has been you know, the problem of housing costs. Now, this is not just a problem for immigrants. It's a problem for uh, a lot of the Canadian population, but housing costs are a real a real challenge for for newcomers when when they arrive and of course a lot of newcomers are developing strategies uh, uh such as intergenerational households in order to try to uh, deal with this i want to go back to something you said a bit earlier where again you know we do see the majority of, of people coming to this country settling in larger places yeah. um it feels like we we are still in the process of sort of creating two kind of different countries one very multicultural increasingly multicultural um spots and elsewhere where there's very little uh, but yeah. politically it feels like the country is still quite uh, aligned when it comes to immigration and the benefits of it yeah i mean i think you know the role of multiculturalism uh, overall in Canada, I think, has played an important role with, with respect to this. There is, you know, a certain urban-rural divide within uh, the Canadian uh, Canadian society. And as the rural areas get older, you know, they, they become more threatened. And I think, you know, uh, they become a little bit more defensive and perhaps a little bit less embracing of the diversity. But overall, you know, even in those uh, those communities... Uh, there's a growing uh, recognition about the value of immigrants and the, how immigrants are can play an important role in terms of revitalizing uh, those communities. So I think that you know the, the the economics of immigration I think are are so positive that I think it uh, is really important in terms of uh, providing a general kind of consensus around uh, immigration. Yeah, because- all all the political parties are yeah. pro-immigrant although some are more pro-immigrant than others. We have a very large immigrant uh, population. They are the majority in, in quite a number of, of, of critical uh, constituencies that the parties need to win to be able to hold office. Doing anti-immigrant rhetoric uh, is not a way to political success in this country, as it has been in some uh, other European or, or the US. Do you think it'll continue even if we hit economic rough times? Yeah. There used to be a time when uh, we we had something called, you know, tap on, tap off. When the economy went down, we would bring in less immigrants. And, uh, of course, as the economy began to improve, we would bring in more. But now I think the calculus is a different one. Uh, now the calculus is that immigrants, regardless of the current economic conditions, bring a lot of economic activity uh, with them. You know, when they settle, they spend a lot of money. And they make up for really important gaps uh, in the labor market that are still there during recessionary times. I don't think it's accidental that the government, one of its main strategies uh, in terms of moving out of the pandemic, where there was a a great fear that a recession was going to, a very deep recession was going to hit, that Canada chose the path towards increasing immigration as a way of uh, of helping to mitigate that. So I, th- I think the understanding and 
is uh, seen differently by most uh, economists and public policymakers, certainly within within Canada today. And overall, uh, even though you know we've got some economic challenges for sure, an embryonics poll that was, has just been uh, published uh, tells us that 69% of the Canadian population uh, supports current expanded levels of immigration. And even though you know we have high inflation and you know, there's some signs that there, there could be some economic troubles. John Shields, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Pleasure. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.